Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. David William Hanrady and there will be no encore. It's the second last no encore of the season of the year of 2017. It's episode 92, I think. And I have my glorious, glamorous assistants right with me here. Hello. Hello. How's it going? What's cool. Regan, Craig Fitzpatrick. Hello. Uh, we are back from our quiz, which happened this night last week. Yeah. And it was a frivolous, fun uh, controversial occasion. I it wasn't say. that frivolous. It was quite serious at, at points. You were, you were very serious. People were taking it very seriously. Yeah, asking yeah. those questions with all the uh, the gusto I could muster. Jaded apathy of a man who didn't want to be there. <laughs> Are you kidding? I had the time of my life. Speaking of which, of course, it was a table who'd booked a table uh, at the quiz, thinking that they were going to be seeing the other Colm O'Regan. Um, oh yeah. Apologies to them. Fierce disappointed, I would say. Yeah. But apparently they stayed for the whole thing, so mm-hmm. thank you very much to them. And the other Colm O'Regan mentioned that you were apparently, or you heard you were a sound bloke, yeah. so that's a ringing endorsement there I'll for you. Well, all we've ever done is just like direct people to one another, so yeah, yeah, we've got a good relationship going right now. Excellent. Fair enough. Well, the winners on the evening, of course, were Team Dohi and Christian Tierney. Congratulations, <laughs> lads. Well done. Uh, it was a tough, tough grouping, but you know, you came through and let the world on Twitter know. So well done. To Dahi and to Christian. Woo! Woo! Bravo. And let's swiftly move on and yeah. never speak of it again. <laughs> so, uh, before we get going on the songs list, 
uh, it's time to remind us of uh, a gig. There's a gig coming up next Thursday. That's right, yeah. The quiz-winning man himself. <laughs> that very boy, Dahi, is playing the Bowden Factory uh, this day week, next Thursday, the 21st of December. It's the only way to celebrate, really. It really yeah. is, yeah. He'll Absolutely. be doing cover of Abba's The Winner Takes It All. Um. It's a late gig. I think he'll be on stage around four in the morning. No, it won't be. It'll be well before that. But uh, he will have Elaine May, friend of the show, and Sinead White joining him as guest vocalist on the evening. Promises to be a riotous affair. I believe tickets are running quite low. So if you want to go to that gig, get up a ticket now. Get up a ticket now. Get up a ticket now. <laughs> get a ticket up yourself right now. Uh, I'm not even going to do that again. It mm. was what it was, guys, on the fly. So like I say, this is our second last episode of the year. Uh-huh. Uh, how do you think it's been for us this year, lads? I, for yeah, us in general. Yeah, yeah, for the show. I feel it's been a productive 12 months. It has, yeah. There's been a lot of episodes. I mean, like, it's season two, but, like, it's like wrestling. We don't really take much time off. So no. it's an entire calendar year. And wins and losses yeah. don't count. Wins and losses don't count. No. As sequels go, I think it was successful. I don't think it was a disappointment. I think it was a Terminator 2 rather than a, rather you know, than the last most Jedi. sequels. Well, yeah, I don't which know. I saw this I week. Pretty boring. <laughs> but yeah, even Stephen Booking is how we t- like to do it on No Encore. So it is time for our rundown. The first beginning of two. Beginning to feel a lot like Listmas. Beginning to feel a lot like Listmas. The Listmas. most wonderful time of the year. It's Listmania on No Encore. And we will start with our top 20 songs of 2017. And. Are we doing like random number order? Should we do like, number <laughs> one, please? Should, <laughs> but, hang on, uh, should we do any honourable mentions for stuff that didn't make it? Uh, I mean, it, it's the usual story where there's a couple of We're artists. Not reveal how we how, how we did this. No, 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 yeah. no, no. What I was going to say though is that there's a couple of artists who basically you know produced a bunch of good songs, but yeah. because there's no standout, it kind of works against them. They would have ended up with kind of like five or six if we were doing a top fifty. Problem is that they've got none in the top tw- twenty. You know, shit yeah. happens. Democracy doesn't work. <laughs> that's, that's right. And that's yeah, proven it, yeah. And Finally. <laughs> yeah, we went through Trump, we went through Brexit, and we still insist on these votes. Uh, honorable mentions wise, I would like to mention, and it's not just because he's our roving reporter, but I do think that Tandem Felix, Where You There When They Crucified the Birthday Boy, is legitimately one of the best songs of the year. Mm. It's not in our top 20, but what can you do? And there's plenty of others as well, but we're not going to get bogged down in that. We're going to give you the 20 very best. Let's, do it. Let's kick it off. 20. I'm a bad liar I see how your tension builds It's like looking in a mirror You're touched like a happy pill But still all we do is fear What could possibly happen next? Can we focus on the love? Pay my kiss across your chest That is Selena Gomez and Bad Liar. Now, I have to say, I don't think anybody expected her to go and crib the baseline from Psycho Killer in, no. in a bid to uh, establish her pop dominance yeah, I, I actually swing. I first of all, very much like this song. I swing between between thinking like it works and then it isn't quite necessary. But actually, I mean, she's talked about how the whole like she pretty much vamped the song over the baseline. Yeah, so the song wouldn't exist without it. But also, if you don't mind me pointing out, Craig, if you take the baseline out, there's not there's a lot her else there. And a little bit of drums, like yeah. and, and maybe that's all you need. So. That's kind of the point, though, isn't it? I mean, like she wrote this with the same two that she wrote good for you with a couple of years ago and that was a great song too yeah kind of shows that simplicity works best to be perfectly honest and this is a song that probably wasn't as successful as it should have been yeah I went it didn't ba- breach the top I went, 20 i went back and checked it and yeah. i mean like we laughed about this science when it kind of came up in conversation at the time right this was released two weeks after the kind of song of the summer cutoff date this came out mid eight 
mid-May. You have to have it out by April oh, wow. 30th. That's He's wearing your Max Martin over here, is yeah. he? Yeah. I wasn't aware that that was the official cutoff date. Uh, oh, did you not notice this year Migos had three features drop on the same yeah. day? <laughs> do you know Because <laughs> everyone just went April 28th. <laughs> <laughs> do uh, well, the Migos track, well, mate. That's why this would, like sank without a trace. The YouTube hits are in the hundreds of millions, I presume. Oh, true, yeah. But I mean, in, in terms of like the mega, mega hits of the summer, yeah. it didn't quite seem to match. And I guess more importantly, maybe for her at this point, was it was probably her first taste of like actual critical adoration, is fair mm. to say. I mean, it just seemed like it a whole new Side to so, was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd actually argue that Good For You kind of kicked that off a little bit I mean, okay. a lot of the reviews for that revival album including my own for Drowning Sound were rather impressed so um, I think the song is too sophisticated to be a Sound of the Summer banger I think there's a lot going on uh, obviously it pays tribute to an incredible Talking Heads song and like I say I think it, it continues her evolution as an artist I mean after Good For You I'm on board for whatever she does at least to pay attention to whatever she does and yeah, I mean, she's still keeping us guessing. And I think this is one of the best pop songs of 2017. And Kurt. that's why it's on our list. Mm-hmm. But up next. 19. That's Three Rings from the returning Grizzly Bear. Um, it was the kind of lead-off track from Painted Runes that we got, and it kind of gave us a taste of uh, maybe an understated affair that we're going to get. A lot of kind of, you know, um, musical complexity, as always. Uh, reminds me at times of Radiohead. It reminds me of, like, being in a dark woods a little bit. It has that gnarled feel to it. Yeah. Um, rhythmically, it's amazing, but it's also like a kind of, I don't know, like an instrument that worked really well, and now it's a bit rusted and falling apart but uh, somehow it all hangs together Colm you're a big fan yeah it kind of twists and turns mm. quite nicely in that sense and yeah I mean they wear the complexity as a badge of honour basically and it like it's a track that probably asks you to work for it a little bit yeah. you know it's six minutes long and it's probably not until three or four minutes that you really start to kind of get a foothold so to speak but I thought it was fantastic and yeah as a kind of a calling card for the band I suppose sure. as well as you said obviously as being a kind of a foot soldier for the album itself I thought it worked really well one of the bands I regret missing live the most this year by, yeah. all, uh, by all accounts their appointments at Vicar Street was were spectacular a friend of the show Dave Higgins and friend of the show Zara Hedman among the people who were wowed by the uh, apparently it was like a, it was a real show it wasn't just like you know we're here to play some indie songs it was like a proper visual experience yeah. and I think that does tie in with this song and with the parent album because I agree with uh, what you were saying about kind of getting lost in the woods feel it's very rich it has a real kind of world building thing around it and it does mm. manage to ensnare you in while also being incredibly melodic and sharp and just like every time one door closes another door opens type thing yeah, yeah. It all seems like there's a, there's a purpose to everything that's going on. It's very thought over. It's very kind of economic as well, which, you know, it, you could kind of throw accusations at them sometimes of being essentially the new prog rock, but they're, they don't have the indulgence for that. Everything they do is, is there for a reason. It's a great example of it. Yeah, and everything's in its right place as well. Mm. Now, an example of democracy in action. 18.
So, there you go. That's Converge. The big one. <laughs> Should have been number one. It's my beloved Converge. The song is A Single Tear. Have you guys even listened to it? Yeah, yeah, sure. We, we spoke about this. Well, you know, I'm just going to sit back now. Uh, well, I believe they're performing this live on the Top of the Pops annual Christmas show this year, aren't they? Right. I so think this they were just being next to number one spot. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. after Juicy J and Cardi B do their track from a week or two ago. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about this band and you're hearing that you know it's quite chaotic, even for them, you're like, oh, what? Um, but yeah, kind of a nice, a nice solemn meditation on fatherhood and how it changes you and helps you mature. Yeah, it's lyrically um, quite sweet. Yeah, I actually quite like. And melodically, uh, there is stuff buried under there that can hook you in. And uh, I mean, it's a bit of an assault on the senses. I don't go back to it too often. I'm, I'm sorry to say, but um, Dave, you like it. Well, this is the majesty of Converge. <laughs> and this is the argument that I'm always trying to put forward with them is that I think that not only are they maybe the most consistent band out there, but they're a band who kind of have a lot of deception about them. I mean, there's a lot more pop sensibilities with Converge than you might think. And a lot of it comes down to Jacob Bannon and how he kind of wields his own kind of weapon in, pretty much in the form of his, his voice and how he can kind of flip between the aggressive style and kind of giving you a little bit of, you know, melody here and there, just enough to kind of carve out an accessible song in the face of a barrage of, you know, kind of hardcore, metalcore type stuff. Uh, a single tear, as you say, I mean, like, not confirmed, but pretty much I would imagine is dealing with his father, uh, like, like becoming a father because it's very much like about that thing of being like, okay, shit, now I realise I need to live for somebody else and not just myself. Yeah. Um, Bannon has always been excellent at addressing, you know, his own kind of personal demons and managing to make it accessible and relatable to others. There's a serious amount of empathy with uh, Converge and what, and what they do and I really get a lot from them. They're a band that mean an awful lot to me. And this comes from the album The Duskinus, and I would say that the title track ran it close for my, my, my choice here, but I went with a single tier because I think it's a lot more instant and it's a lot more kind of rewarding, like, you know, kind of in it with, with some immediacy. And I'm glad you guys didn't run a mile from it. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say when Colm was talking to start about artists splitting kind of votes because they had so many songs that were vying for contention, these weren't one of the bands he was specifying. <laughs> well, all, all the converged tracks that I had in my top 20 haven't made it, so go figure. <laughs> I should notice that I didn't like, you know, there was no edict here where I was like, we're, no, no. we're getting a Converge song in. Yeah. Oh, no, that's the beauty of the list. I mean, we don't kind of, we don't have any real strategic thing. We don't think, okay, we need to form a consensus. We just put down what we think, feel like, you know, we've loved the most. And then the chips fall where they may. Absolutely. That's true, which is why at number 17, we have Craig Fitzpatrick with, no, sorry, we have this instead. <laughs> 17. Lana Del Rey and God Bless America and all the beautiful pe- women in it. Yeah. Um, it's a really nice song. Yeah, it is a really nice song. I think I said at the d- time of kind of release, or certainly when we're talking about the album, that for me it was maybe the best protest song of the year. Um, and I kind of stand by that because I was kind of concerned with some of her talk before the album dropped around. I mean, she was talking about um, going to Coachella and feeling like it was a bit like Woodstock and then wanting to do, you know, something protesty for the kids. And I thought this is, could go horribly wrong. Actually, I think this is quite understated. I think it's a really affirmative kind of, you know, message. And it's it's actually got a, it's got a slyness to it in... 
like that kind of jaded detached you know god bless america yeah but everything is kind of fucked it's just like actually i i feel like i'm free but are you really free you know can you do, are you really safe walking the streets um so there, that is there's that real kind of darkness to it and i think in her detached delivery as well you get that so that's why it works for me that's it a little bit she's kind of managed to step outside the kind of highly stylized world that she normally occupies yeah. but still has taken a lot of that aesthetic with her and I think, like you say, the fact that it's understated is probably, you know, the reason why it works, because this is one of these subjects which we've seen again and again and again this year, that, like, it's so easy to fall into real kitsch, real trite sort of, you know, this should be chanted out on the streets, like, whereas this is actually a really nice melody, a really nice pop song albeit with something current and something smart uh, worked into yeah, it. Yeah, and the weird thing for Lana Del Rey, at least from my own kind of interpretation of Lana Del Rey, is that it's quite authentic. You know, like oh, I, completely, yeah. I absolutely believe everything that she's saying. Um, yeah, so in that regards, you know, she's performed one of the more, the better protest anthems and maybe overall records of, of the year. But uh, I like how you were hesitating there for what to say, Colin, and you're like, it's a nice song. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you know what? It, it's strange be- to come to a lot of these tracks outside of the basis of their album. Sure. sure. Because I wasn't blown away by the Lana Del Rey record as a whole, but probably because there are other points, especially when you say, like, in terms of authenticity, where this is maybe undermined slightly by some of the tracks that are around it, but when you take it on its own value... It yeah, really that's a, you have to judge each song on its merits. There you go, John that's, Giles. That's a fair <laughs> point. Um, I would say that this is one of the tracks where I, I was initially quite like, whoa, like divorced from the context of Lust for Life. It's a bit like jarring. Sure. Uh, you really need to kind of connect with it. You need to work with it. Um, obviously, you know, that album kind of wraps you up in a strange velvet blanket uh, along the way. <laughs> strange velvet blanket. New album from uh, Prince, I don't know. Well, not not new from Prince, uh, for obvious reasons. But Lana Del Rey's alive, so we'll talk about her instead. Um, I think that this song works on its own merits, but admittedly, it's not one you're going to throw on at a barbecue unless it's that infamous pitchfork barbecue. Yeah, with that only playing as well, is it? (laughs) But no, uh, let's stop damning with faint praise. This is an excellent song. And, you know, this was an album that very much I had to kind of go to and drop some scepticism and cynicism that I've often had for Lana because she leaves me cold. I think she's capable of brilliance. I think this is definitely on the the upper echelons. Another one that's not going on the barbecue playlist anytime soon. 16. You will show me I had something Some people call it soul And you drop top the sky Oh, you're right when I was three years old Yes, Samfa responsible for one of the most emotionally charged records of the year, I feel, and no one knows me like the piano, probably the emotional core of that album, which is saying a lot. Yeah, um, it it's, reminds me of a kind of James Blake thing where, you know, it's surrounded, we're talking about the context of the record, it's surrounded by some, you know, kind of really... 
uh, I, I guess experimental sonic stuff and some you know changes of pace and a lot of technology but this is really kind of unadorned um, he's got a simple message that he wants to get out there and it's obviously played on that piano that means so much to him and it's it's all the more powerful for it really it's just a clear kind of simple distillation of everything that's led him to this kind of you know solo debut record which you know was so long in the process um, and it's yeah it's, it's yeah <laughs> didn't even realize i'm so tired this week but yeah um i mean you talk about authenticity and i mean you know if anybody's unfamiliar with sampha's story it, it's like his father passed away when he was nine his his brother was left disabled after a severe stroke and his mother passed away two years ago uh obviously the owner of the piano of the song and yeah i mean that's why i think it resonates with such just strong feeling from the very opening chords and I think it's why it needs very little added to it for it to be an incredibly affecting tune that yeah I mean like now that you said it I never thought of like additional elements in this track but I think it would definitely weigh it down uh, first heard Sampha on St. Pablo the Kanye West track that eventually made it onto the life of Pablo in the 20th spot <laughs> and he's such an incredible foil for Kanye in that song like he steals that song maybe I mean like Kanye's work is incredibly strong but the Sampha bits are incredibly emotional and poignant and evocative and he brings all of those elements to this this is an absolute knockout it's an incredible song and I mean even like seeing him do this as part of like his tiny desk concert or something like that it's just blow away you're just like Jesus fucking Christ this is really it just gets you it hits you as hard as it possibly can and this is another one of those where like it would have been so easy to fall into like some sort of trite metaphor of you know you know how to push my buttons blah 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 like it would have been awful but I guess even his you know his vocal performance you can feel that kind of rawness and that catharsis as well it's just like I mean there's a sadness there but there's also a joyfulness of what he's accomplished with this record as well um, so it's a real outpouring it's great it's also not to rag on him but it's also a key distinction between the likes of this and say Sam Smith doing the exact same song yes. right. yeah 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 like Sam Smith could do he could do this he could do every vocal here probably mm. but it wouldn't have any of the effect even without the context of it I think Sanford just has that kind of um, timber that just really really gets under your skin but up next 15 It is the star of Hard Working Class Heroes 2017, former guest of the show, Bad Bones. Cullum and I caught Bad Bones opening up Hard Working Class Heroes on the Friday, and with all due respect to every other act that I caught that weekend, nobody came close to joining her. This was a magnificent bolt from the blue, and You is the song, and it's very much a microcosm of what she's all about. Uh, the video as well should be checked out as well, because she does her own visuals, and it's all part of the show. Uh, but this is the kind of electro assault that I just can't get enough of. It's the kind of track that the more I listen to it I'm always surprised that there's still about 30 or 40 seconds left when I think it's wrapping up and there's still one more kind of barrage to come and it's just brilliant it throws so many things at you we talked about Girls Led recently and the idea of hooks and just throwing out hook after hook after hook this song is razor sharp in that that department absolutely yeah and I love the way the rhythms kind of fold over each other and fall back on themselves without ever quite becoming convoluted like I also I love that sample 
that you know like appears throughout the track really i know toby carr used one at some stage young wonder i can remember using something similar right. as well and i just i just think they sound awesome when mixed in with this sort of thing it's yeah it's a great tune yeah it's really artfully done kind of barrage of stuff like i know she's she's a visual effects artist as well and you know i don't have that thing where you kind of visualize music as colors what's right. it called again What's the... Uh, Synesthesia? Synesthesia, yeah. yes, is correct. Um, but I can totally envisage this as like, it's like a, you know, kind of Jackson Pollock type thing where it's just like that percussion is just being thrown on a canvas and it's kind of, the canvas is your soul. It's really good. Um, and, she, you know, she talked about being into kind of Native American chanting and it put the work of, you know, Fela Kuti and like to- Tony Allen drumming, things like that. And that kind of rhythmic thing um, that's really kind of soothing whilst also being quite aggressive is it's really shot through here it's the kind of track that's so packed that you worry that there's too many ideas in there and yet i think that it doesn't get to that point it's so close to it but it manages to just connect every dot and like kind of join up every piece that you want it to do and i mean everything snaps into place with such military precision and at the right moments, like you're like you're never bored. Yeah, you're like never it, ever bored with this. It's disciplined. It holds back just enough, and it's that thing Colm was saying. It, it never quite turns into this like cascade of stuff. Uh, yeah, and it's a, a good one for just you know powering down the street on a cold day. And next up, fourteen. Awesome, right? So let's let things come out of the woodwork. I give you my best life. Tell you all my best life. See me rolling, showing someone else love, dancing with our shoes off. No, I think you're awesome, right? That's Homemade Dynamite uh, taken off Lord's second album, Melodrama. I'm a big fan. Uh, I've been listening to it, you know, walking the streets of Dublin recently. It's been doing wonders for me. Dave, hello. Hi, how's it going, man? This is Dave. Yes, uh, as we know, if you listen to the show, I'm not a fan of Melodrama. (laughs) That's putting it quite mildly. However... I do want to thank both of you for both picking this song because, thank God, you picked the best one on the record. Okay. And I'm not just saying that. This is a good song. And I guess to give it the most maximum praise I can, it reminds me of a really good slow Kali Minogue song, like Slow, for example. I think that oh, it's that kind of cool, glacial, yeah. uh, very kind of fun, always moving, very smart kind of songwriting. And this is the kind of stuff that I want from Lord. I mean, I don't think that the rest of the album holds up to this. And it is a departure from Pure Heroin, an album that I do like and I think still works in many ways. Uh, but no, I mean, like, obviously, going back to this now, because I had avoided that record for a long time, I found myself not only not annoyed to have to do so, but very much like, no, this is a really great pop song. It, it, it's an excellent song. And that's exactly it. It's a great pop song. And, and like, yeah. this could be a bona fide pop smash, and not in the sense that Lord is a big pop star now in the sort of avant-garde thinking man's pop star way. You know, she's very much held up as being the sort of more artistic end of the spectrum or whatever. This is just a bit of a banger, quite frankly. Yeah. And it's all delivered with such control and confidence that she always has. She really kind of like sells herself, goes straight into a song head first. And yeah, I mean like the kind of like the handful of like pan pipey notes, the 
dynamite just all these little hooks yeah, along the way yeah, like yeah. it all works it started with them and you know when she came back with green light she talked so much about how she understood everything wasn't quite in the right place and maybe she was being kind of willfully arty at times and it, it worked for me but this is much more kind of traditional you know big 80s hit possibly there's certainly 80s references and I also think I mean we talked a lot about whilst I'm a fan of a lot of the stuff on the album she's, lyrically she wasn't quite there there's a few kind of maybe small things of qualms with here but actually I think those themes that she follows through on of being young and kind of messing up and the kind of late nights and that kind of stuff I think she does it to the best effect here because she's at a slight remove from it and she kind of undercuts it with a humour of listen I realise everyone has done this before I realise it's a cliche let's just have a bit of fun with it it doesn't take itself too seriously that's yeah that's the thing yeah. whereas I think the rest of the album does maybe I think yeah. the rest of the album is such a Sofia Coppola-esque navel gazing you know fucking poor me or whatever type thing going on like a diary that I don't want to read that when she steps out of that and has a bit of fun and involves the listener welcomes you in that's better and like you know again I mean I'm not going to give up on Lord because that would be ridiculous I just that album, that album I'm, I'm, and it's Christmas <laughs> yeah it, 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 it's Christmas. it's have Christmas. yeah it is the season and yeah I don't know I just kind of feel like I'm quite allergic to that album mostly but the little bits on it <laughs> quite allergic the, the, little, right. the little bits of light work and this is one of them so. well we're in cool. songs mode for this week yeah. so let's move on god I better not make the fucking albums list <laughs> just replay what I said We'll move on though, will we? Yeah. Okay, up next. 13. You gotta trust them. I might be bugging. Infomercials and no sleep. Introverted by my thoughts. Children listening gets deep. See, once upon a time, inside the niggas and garden projects, the object was to process and digest poverty's dialect. Adaptation inevitable. Gun violence, crack spot, federal policies, rape builders, and drug professionals. Anthony was the oldest of seven. Well respected, common collective. Laughing and joking made life easier Hard times, mama on crack A four-year-old telling his nanny he needed her His family history pimping and banking He was meant to be dangerous Clacked him a grip and start slanking Fifteen stepping up his jeans with quarter pieces Even got some hair from a smoker last weekend Dodger policeman working Yeah, it's Duckworth's Closer from Damn by Kendrick Lamar uh, I believe, I think it was all fair that Craig and I turned to each other after this album came out and was just like how do you sit on this story until your fourth album I know right surely this is your first single right you go out on like on live TV and just go listen to this yeah yeah but no somehow this incredible story about how his label boss and his dad like crossed paths and the label boss almost shot his dad oh you couldn't make it up. Yeah, it, it, you he's waiting until the last no track of his fourth you. record to tell the story. It's it's incredible. Maybe that's kind of set, what sets him apart from a lot of rappers. Like, as you say, you know, so many kind of new talents we see coming up and what, they might have the kind of dexterity and the charisma. They're always looking for that hook where it's just like, you know, I came from nothing and blah, blah, blah. Here's what I've been through. Here's my authenticity. And um, no, he just kind of holds back on this kind yeah. of great Genesis story uh, until now until he's arguably, you know, one of the rap greats. And it's, yeah, what a closer. Do you wonder if... Or like, an opener. Well, see, this is what I was going <laughs> to yeah. say. Do you, do you wonder if he, he kind of had that opinion after he put out the album was like, wait a minute. Because the special edition <laughs> of Damn 
is in reverse. Sure, yeah. So I Duckworth mean, is now the opener if you got this you measure. buried the lead. I mean, I, I, <laughs> yeah, totally. I, sa- I said a while Bad ago journalist. that there is a mirror image thing going on in the record a little bit when you reverse it, so I don't think it's suffered because of its placement, put it that way. But I just love with this track how complex it is. It unfolds almost like theatre. I mean, like, the beat shifts completely, yeah. the story jumps back and forth, and obviously you get the big reveal at the end. And it's it's kind of proof that, like, you don't have to sit down and work out a chorus. You don't have to... You know, this is storytelling at its very best, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. It's it's kind of like, it's Illmatic standard for me. It's that thing where it's just, here's a vignette of something that's really moving, just told with, you know, complete accomplishment, and it's it's outstanding storytelling. It's, it's, it's a masterclass, really. It's a superb three-dimensional epic, and I think it's a nice compliment as well to Mortal Man, the Tupac... Uh, evoking and resurrecting uh, track that he used to close to yeah. Butterfly. That one I think is great. I know some people have the problems with it. You being Didn't one of them, work Greg. for me. <laughs> no, I'm just having a chat with Pac. I thought, <laughs> it, was, I thought it was very well I done. Know, but I'm this happy, is excellently executed, uh, Breath of Hitman Heart style, and <laughs> it's brilliant. I mean, how could it not be? The story alone, uh, you could give it to someone who didn't live it, and I'm sure they could manage to take something, you know, uh, right, yeah. right Thompson, maybe, uh, from, from ESPN. <laughs> imagine him. Can you imagine him writing this story? Oh, He'd add so many elements, it'd be amazing. Uh, The dad would have been shot, for a start, (laughs) repeatedly, uh, with a machine gun, probably. But uh, no, it's great. It's it's excellent. And I mean, mean, who are we to talk about Kendrick's conviction and authenticity? You don't need anyone to tell you. He tells you it himself every time he fucking opens his mouth. Mm. So, next. Twelve. And I knew it, but I did it just for you. Baby, are you good and cold? My room is just down the hall And if you stay the night, I promise not to call But somewhere in the half-life I could feel it coming back I get it There's no future This for me, this is Rostam uh, With the help of Kelly Zutrow Yep. Half Light is the song, the title track off his album. This, for me, is one of the most elegantly understated, beautifully restrained songs I think I've ever heard. Uh, it's a song that just rewards you with these tiny, intricate little details and that unlock at precise moments throughout the track. And just when you think it's over, there's another go around, there's another little bit of light to find. We've talked extensively on this show about Rostam's talent and his mercurial talent as a musician and, you know, being a multi, a multi-instrumentalist and his production now and what he brought to Vampire Weekend and what he brought to Hamilton Lighthouser and anyone he kind of works with for the most part. Uh, his album was a bit uneven, I thought. Maybe there was just too many ideas at play and it could have used an editor, but it was still a very good first shot in anger under his own name. This, for me, was the standout. Among tracks that ran it close, I think this is just gorgeous. I think, yeah, you're going to be hard-pushed to find a song that captures the vibe of what it's kind of trying to do quite so well. I mean, I can remember seeing so many people talking about this track and the album as a whole, perhaps, but saying, like, you know, it's just varying degrees of sun through a window. And, you know, when you call it half light, I mean, that's literally exactly what it's trying to (laughs) accomplish, you know? So he really really has nailed it. And and as well... (laughs) Yeah, he's almost hit that one too well. Yeah, Uh, but no, but like the the other thing is that his his delivery isn't for everybody. And frankly, it isn't for every song either because he mumbles a little bit. And, you know, he's not... A, a lead man basically he's not a lead vocalist but it's perfect for this it's perfect for that sort of like you said understated quite gentle quite casual sort of tone I think it really works 
Yeah, I mean, when we were discussing this album, I was kind of saying, perhaps I think on reflection unfairly, that a lot of it sounded like it was kind of the portfolio of a a music graduate or something like that. There was a lot of things he'd been working on for years and sonic experiments and him just kind of showing what he could do. Um, But certainly a song like this where he does kind of take the lead and it's just so, I mean, the fragility of it, it really, as, as you were saying, complements his voice. This works for me as a really well-written song. You, you could imagine this being slightly adapted and a Hamilton Lighthouse or kind of do, doing a slightly different take on it and it being very accomplished. But I think it works best, which you can't say for maybe a lot of stuff on the record with him really taking over and showing what he's made of. And sure. yeah, uh, it worked really well for me. Speaking of Big Hamilton, oh, uh, yeah. your boy thought about something during the week. <laughs> Rostam has done a cover of Fairy Tale of New York and oh. it's quite good and I'm not a big fan of that song but you know, he kind of straight batted it. Myself and Dave Higgins were talking and we've come up with I want to just throw four words at you lads. Go something on. I want to make happen soon. Right. Hamilton Lighthouser Christmas album. <laughs> oh Yeah. Wouldn't that be the best thing Do ever? Do we yeah. have to make it happen? Can you imagine Hamilton Lighthouse doing Last Christmas? I mean, yeah. I feel like he's perpetually in winter. Like driving home I mean for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Let it snow. Oh, driving home for Christmas, yes. By Hamilton Lighthouse. Oh. I'm going to tweet at him. Uh, <laughs> back to Rostam, though. Rostam will be performing on day two of the Nationals Donnybrook Stadium gig. Sorry. So something for Christian Tierney and Dahi to look forward to there. <laughs> uh, yeah, love this. Just to kind of wrap up uh, what you're saying about that whole idea of you know being literal with its title. It has that wonderful quality of being half awake, half asleep, you know, kind of yeah. your own kind of personal little winter wonderland. And yeah, it's it's wonderful. I, I adore this song. But at number 11. 11. the end of an era um, and for me going out on a real high that's Punk Drunk and Trembling and it's one of the last songs new songs we'll ever get from Wild Beasts um, leading a kind of a very short EP that uh, arrived just shortly after they announced that they were calling it quits on a, what was a glorious career and as I said kind of before this kind of made it all the more bittersweet because it just is so I just think it's absolutely marvellous kind of kiss off and you just think oh we're not getting more of that stuff yeah I mean like the the way the bass drives this song is fantastic and and yeah it does sound like I'm not going to say effortless because God knows how hard they tried but uh, genuinely you know it's just like if you're making tunes this good at the end just keep going now. Yeah. It's also imbued with a sort of a sincerity that wasn't always there on Boy King, hasn't always been there throughout their careers, I think. Uh, yeah, maybe letting the guard down a little bit on the final single, who knows? I feel like Wild Beast had to go with the live fast, die young, leave a good looking corpse thing. Maybe, yeah. yeah. It just seems very, very Wild Beast to do it that way. And I'm sure they'll all be involved in other projects at some point, but I mean, ultimately, how far could you stretch that thread? They didn't really fuck with radio, they didn't really, you know, kind of you know, kowtow to mainstream demands. They were very much their own, if you'll forgive the pun, beast. Mm. And they were excellent at it. And this, yeah, again, I mean, like, it's there's no... You listen to this, and of course, yeah, you come away with a natural frustration, like, oh, lads, and it's not like you're fucking... The well isn't dry here. But, yeah, I love this song. It's great. It's really, really fun. We uh, debuted it at our live show. We did, time, yeah. And uh, it, took, it, it took stage nerves to stop me from 
bopping along because as Cullum says that bass line in particular is just incredibly funky but they were so they were always great at that they are always great at capturing grooves yeah I mean I love the vocal from Hayden Torp here as well it's just it has that nice blend of theatricality with a real uh, like it, it gel so well with the lyric which is talking about you know what's done is done it feels like okay um, they're closing the curtain but it's also mm. a, about it's like he's reminiscing about something that never actually happened sure. which is an interesting take on something like it's about you know a miracle's about to happen maybe he's saying I don't know things didn't quite happen for Wild Beasts in the way he would have expected but they could have and maybe that was the charm mm. fair enough and a band leaving on their own terms you gotta respect that and now it's time for the top ten Let's kick it off. Ten. Miguel told you so was on songs of the week and then it was on our album of the week when we reviewed War and Ledger on last week's episode if you can keep in track and yeah. one of those tracks I believe Craig you said that um, it was in the top three of that album and pretty much into his all timers really yeah I think it was an all timer from him and you know you were saying we're not getting any new Prince we kind of have to somehow get a Prince <laughs> song in yeah, there yeah. and that definitely has that undercurrent of you know great 80s um, Prince type stuff but this is just so infectious um, I've said before that I think he really excels best when he's just doing the slow soulful kind of seductive thing but here when he ups the ante um actually he really delivers in ways he ha- hasn't on other tracks um it's just that it's utterly contagious and yeah constant repeat actually listening down through the 20 tracks this was one that still i was just like i'm gonna give this another play and yeah. another play and so it's still th- there for me at the moment it's just the hooks managed to give it a, a freshness that given that, frankly, it borrows so liberally from sort of, like, 80s funk, it probably shouldn't have, you know? It doesn't deserve to feel like a modern pop song. Yeah. Yet somehow does. Um, Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, like you say, yeah, he he can... He does seem to be most comfortable in kind of mid-tempo range, but this definitely is is just a step up and it's so fun basically it's energetic and like i say there's something fresh about it too it's very enjoyable yeah i was worried about the whole protest song angle and i hope 2018 <laughs> will you know calm down on that front. to be fair i i i've become i feel very churlish now when i say that because look at the world you got to protest yeah and that's what people do yeah uh, i think it's i think it goes back to a time when i once heard uh through a friend i wasn't there thank god i think i would have just folded up into a million pieces but um <laughs> you know every town has like a couple of dickhead song- sure. singer songwriters who think that they're the most amazing poet around yeah and my native drahada had one in particular and apparently one day my friend overheard him just say well i mean like me i, I choose to protest through song Oh dear. And it's just that Glenn Hansard thing of like, yeah, I, w- I want to run a mile from that kind of stuff. But when it's done well, it's amazing. Like here. Yeah. But is it a protest song? <laughs> I don't think there's much of it in there, to be perfectly no. honest. I mean, we, we discussed it last week. He talked a big game and then just didn't really seem to produce. But you know what? That's fine. I mean, I, I don't think this in particular, like this track was ever setting out to be a protest song. This sounds like a bit of an up-tempo dance number. Oh, yeah. And on those... Grounds, it definitely hits. As a skyscraper, it's pretty damn great. 
But at number nine, you want to talk about protest songs. This isn't one. Nine. The better. Cause there's no one old on magic mountain. There's no was the very last bond or is it it's father john misty yeah no it's on an album full of them um, i guess and you know which we might discuss um on the next show but this was immediate kind of centerpiece i think when when we talked about it and it's him literally going to higher ground and just kind of getting away from his you know worldly concerns and it's it's wistful, but it's blissful, and What's it called, it just <laughs> so I'm growing old on Magic Mountain. <laughs> yes, and yeah, it culminates. Um, you know, it takes a long time to get there, much like me getting to the song title there. But <laughs> when it hits those synths at the end, it just kind of is like, you know, the earth is crumbling, but it's everything's going to be just fine. Because I don't know, you're whacked out of it or something. That's like, great. <laughs> again, it's it's just it's just skillfully avoiding being too on the nose here, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and he takes his lead from a novel and sort of uses that story to sketch around it. I mean, it's funny, it's clever. So you know, it's doing like what Father John Misty has typically done best. But also, yeah, it's just the arrangement on this track, as it was on Pure Comedy as a whole, is just meticulous. Oh, yeah. I mean, good God, it's lived in and beautifully arranged and put together. Uh, I know you guys aren't a big fan of uh, Leaving L.A., which is the 10-verse, no-chorus, 13-minute song. Uh, I I do like that song, but I do think that if I had some Growing Old on Magic Mountain... I'd just use that instead because I think that actually gets across the same points and does so in a way that doesn't necessarily crowbar the listener and I think that the the sonic shift by the end of it I remember the first time I heard this and it comes late in the album so you know you're either with it or you're not your attention span might be lagging or else you're totally locked in but when it got to that just that really warm Vangelis style synth that comes in yeah. number one I wasn't expecting it at all and number two, I was like, that is just magnificent. That is <laughs> such a flourish, my God. And it comes after a narrative that I was very into and I thought was really well put together. And I mean, you know, flights of fancy, but also grounding it in a kind of certain amount of, you know, like, I guess, anxiety fueled reality that we all live in now. Sure. And yeah, it's about getting older and it's about losing power and it's about trying to accept your lot and, you know, yeah, deal with it. Really. I, mean, I mean, you just kind of mentioned yourself, you know, that like you know, it's an anxiety real thing that we're all dealing with. It's one of those examples. Like, you don't need to explain it, you, you know. And Sorry, sh- no, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry, but, no. What I mean is, what I mean is, let's he- just wrap up the show now. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is that he didn't need to explain it, as in he doesn't need to 
like hammer home the message yeah. lyrically. Okay, okay. I thought, just, I thought I did a nice job I, there. But. Like, I think the description for this song is like I always remember reading the the genre or at least the kind of musical term cosmic American music just right. in some magazine years ago when I was getting into music, and then I couldn't hear really actually an example of what that was for ages right. because I'd no internet. And it turned out that it was just Graham Parsons doing old country songs. And I was like, that doesn't sound that cosmic. This, to me, sounds like cosmic American music. And that's great. I have to know what magazine this was. Uh, it was, was a fucking... Pretentious teen it was probably uncut or something like that. Was it Rolling Stone from the 60s? <laughs> It might have been, yeah. I think okay. it was like on cut or something. Might have just and been I was one of the local leak slip papers. They were really <laughs> serious music section. I tell you, it's a different and world. And I wrote it, yeah. It's a different <laughs> world down there. Well, you wouldn't find our next act in a Rolling Stone in the 60s. But here they are. Yes, at number eight on our list, it's The Blaze and Territory. Uh, shot to viral fame, I guess, with the accompanying video, which is an absolute work of art. Mm-hmm. Uh, without the video, it's just as brilliant. But I do think it's an amazing marriage of audio and visual. And if you haven't, for whatever reason, checked out The Blaze and Territory on, on the old YouTube, please do so immediately. It's captivating in the extreme, spellbinding stuff. As is the track. This is a song that followed me around all year. It was top of my Spotify Unwrapped, uh, like, which I guess means I listen to it the most. Mm. I get something new from this track every single time. I feel 10 feet tall when I walk down the street listening to it. It's just the most hypnotic thing I think I've heard all year. Yeah, it, it's beautifully restless, though. It, it, it always is adding new elements, and there's even moments where... Like, towards the end, there's just a moment where like the hi-hats come in like 16 bars earlier than you're expecting, and you're just like, oh! You know, and and that's what I take away from this particular listener, whatever. Um, it's it's persuasive, like really, it's a gentle build, but there's always something extra to kind of keep you keep you uh, keep you hanging on. Yeah, you know, I've always kind of thought maybe the, the best dance music is most suitable for just, you know, the hours when you probably aren't able to dance anymore and just kind of, you know, those small hours things. And we've heard a lot of examples this year of people maybe trying to get on the dance train, but kind of align it with... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, trying to get on that fucking dance train. It's the dance train <laughs> with Craig Fitzpatrick. <laughs> trying to like align, you know, <laughs> drops with also, uh, you know, melancholic, almost angelic vocals and things like that. And it's a tough thing to pull off. But for me, there's like a there's a sadness to this as well as you say. It made you feel, Dave. It made you feel ten feet tall. Um, but there's kind of you know there's just just some kind of darkness here as well and that's what that's why I keep going back to that like dark well uh, it has so many layers it has such depth as well as being a tune no I fully agree there's a sorrow here there's yeah. a there's a melan- melancholicness is that the word melancholy melancholy yeah. there we go melancholy melancholicness what was I thinking <laughs> melancholy is a movie uh, there's a melancholy there's a sorrow there's a sense of loss uh, a sense of grieving and it can kind of it's kind of a choose your own adventure song I guess yeah. I mean like it's very much it's mood music and it's a create your own world song. There's a there's world building here, and all the tools and all the foundations and all the construction details that you would need are here. It's just towering. I think it's I think it's genuinely magnificent. I think it's a work of art. I'm so happy it's in the top ten of our list. And yeah, it's fucking beautiful. I love it. 
Time to check in with the only two-timer on this list. Seven. Yes, it's that man again, Kendrick Lamar. And DNA, I mentioned earlier that it feels as though Duckworth is one bookend of the record. The other one is this track. It's why when you flip it around... Dam still has that same sense of a very personal song and an absolute tune kind of setting the table and setting the scene for the rest of the record. Yeah, I mean, this was the moment for me when I was like, I, you know, I could rest easy and I felt like, oh, Kendrick's, you know, back to his best, essentially, because we heard a few kind of things. There was that, you know, freestyle where we just felt, oh, God, he sounds ring rusty. Yeah. Humble didn't quite get me, you know, jumping from the get-go, but this was just such an amazing take, such a... It's so angry, but eloquently angry. Um, and it's... Uh, I don't know. It's kind of a liberating listen every time for me because it feels like he's getting a huge amount off his chest and just pulverizing any kind of, you know, haters he sees, any, like, the media, any kind of thing that stands in his way. It's like kind of, you know, Floyd Mayweather taking on McGregor and it just seeming so easy that you're like, oh, yeah, he is that good and, oh, yeah, everything he's up against, now he can just dance around. Damn it, I was going to say, I was about to throw out a boxing analogy, oh, and you sorry. fucking beat me too. No, I was going to say, this This feels like a boxer in the prime of his life, and not just decimating his opponent, but playing with them. Yes, yeah, exactly. taunting them, and playing for the crowd, you know, like, oh, yeah. like uh, in such amazing showboating fashion, that you're totally on his side. And I mean, like, it's also an incredible example of, like, just using samples, and, mm. like, you, like, just blistering your opponents uh, by using them against themselves. Yeah, and I mean, just as you said, though, the showboating, the playing to the gallery as well, because, I mean, like, yeah, you know, like the Fox News sample is, like, making fun of them and skewering them, but it's also kind of setting out and saying, like, look, this is who I am now. This is how powerful my voice is. And like I say, in terms of setting up the rest of the record, it's kind of announcing, like, look... This is the definitive dude, like the guy, the guy who they go on TV news shows and worry about what he says. So y'all better listen up because this message is important. Like. Yeah. It's amazing how, like, you know, like Kanye West can do this too, but like there's a different thing here. There's just this, and like, obviously, you know, I adore Kanye West, but there's just something else here. There's a, there's a raw power and obviously it's very reflective of uh, black America and how it's been for the last few years and all the turmoil. And Kendrick kind of rising as this figure, as this kind of, I wouldn't say saviour, you know, but like as just, just this iconoclastic yep. person who won't fucking take it anymore. And, you know, is very much like, this song is such a, like, did not know who they were fucking with type <laughs> yeah. thing, to quote Blade. Sure, also say, like, be, beyond all this, it's also technically a really good song. Because oh, yeah, it, it's it, fantastic. It, it uses that repetition, like, like, Kendrick's got crazy flow, we all know that. But the fact that he keeps hooking back into the this repetition. One, yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of songs on this list, uh, like the Bad Bones one, the, the Blaze one, and various others, that have incredible interlocking parts. Mm. And this might be the sharpest example of that. The interlocking parts here are fucking just weaponized 
And yeah, with the confidence of an artist who knows that everything he's doing right now works, at least on this track. And like, it's so short and incisive. Yeah. And and then when those kind of like bombs drop at the end, like that, that sonic thing, and you've got that sense sonically where it's almost just like everything is suddenly fuzzy and it's more or less him just piecing out I've just done exactly what I intended to do and let's get on with the rest of the album yeah, it also kind of reminds you of a top 30 hits mainstay DJ Jean's The Launch well that too <laughs> <laughs> so there you go bravo up next a surprise six Yeah, so um, a song that we kind of came to out of nowhere mm-hmm. uh, by a new artist called Hatchy. The song is called Sure, and it rather blew mine and Cullum's collective socks off. It's her second single. It's ridiculously good for a second single, and there's been a source of great annoyance that she's got two songs out there in the universe right now, and no more. Um, yeah, this is just awesome pop in my opinion it, it's another one of those tracks where everything is in its right place there's no wasted movement so to speak uh, lyrically it's kind of clever and it's kind of sweet and it's certainly relatable um, it's heartfelt it's incredibly toy- tight yeah it's everything I look for in a pop song basically I mean it's kind of linger it's kind of torn yep. it's maybe a little bit sixpence none the richer ooh it's better is, than that oh yeah I know but I'm just you know but also it's very Cocteau Twins which you know raises the credibility mm-hmm. huge yeah. amount but yeah um, a Brisbane artist I believe yep. um, and I was off uh, the week you guys were talking about that but I, I agreed with everything you said in terms of how effortless it seemed it seems like one of those things you dash off in five minutes but actually you can't do those kind of songs because well, actually, no, she says she did it in a day. So oh, yeah. Well, a day. I mean, you that's 24 hours. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I think anyone who claims to write a song in five minutes is clearly taking the piss and has a ridiculously high opinion of themselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe Dylan could get away with it, but anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I look, the, the reference points all check out, absolutely. I mean, it's not the most stunningly original creation of all time. Not, not at all, but it's a nice kind of generational swing. It's kind of, almost kind of like, you know, for this time versus those songs when they were out then. And if this is an indication of what can be done if she chooses to, you know, get a bit more creative, I suppose. But I love just the the shoegazy feel of this. I love the kind of the the build and like, even like the, the the kind of slow drums, just kind of like raising up in the mix and uh, her at the center of it all. Uh, it's yeah. a it's a it's a lush song. Yeah, and the other thing though is that like with a lot of shoegaze and a lot of dream pop, oftentimes it, it can almost just get caught up in its own sense of kind of like hypnosis where. It doesn't necessarily move as it should. It doesn't go places for a long time. Or it gets lost. Yeah, and this instead is really, really focused. Yeah, no, it feels to me like maybe like a There She Goes where even when it's finished, you feel like it's somewhere playing out there. there Maybe why I reference so many things is because it feels like a melody that already existed or a song that was just, she plucked out of thin air. Well, there you go. I mean, like the song feels like a media res. It feels like, you know, it comes along, takes you away for five minutes and then you're like, what happened? Exactly. Which is an incredible achievement. But now it's time for the top five already. Can't believe it. Let's do it. (laughs) 
five. And he got five stories to tell. I see both sides like Chanel. See on both sides like Chanel. Swimming laps through pool water. Eating like I'm underworld. Had my tattoos in Shibuya. Police think I'm of the underworld. Twelve treat a nigga like he twelve. How you looking up to me and talking down? Can't you see I am the big man? God level, I am the I am. I film it with the drone cam in the pink like Killer Kill. Zoom on that stick, no way. I'm so close, I'm on that kill. Controller on your lower back, yeah, that's the good. Thicker roll the eyes back in the skull. Rolling when you ride, popping. Rolling when you ride, ride the ride. I won. It's that man, Frank Ocean, who he dominated <laughs> our lists last year. Yeah, it was a bit ridiculous. To it be was honest, a bit ridiculous, but, but well deserved. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, like uh, this year he decided to drop the mystery. Well, actually, no, that, that, that's not true at all. Uh, he, he just re- was a bit more productive. Yeah, he <laughs> retains the mystery. He started Blonded Radio and Apple Music, and every time he put out a new playlist on Blonded Radio, he would well, almost every time he throw out a new song as well. Uh, so there was kind of a, a looseness to Frank's movements this year. And I, I, someone the other day said, like, you know, if Frank did an EP properly of all the stuff you put out this year or even a mini album would it be one of the best albums of the year and that's a very interesting argument because I don't know because I haven't thought of these releases as part of an overall piece it's just a case of like oh here's what here's what Frank's up to today yeah I'm not sure how all of them would sorry fit this to- song is called Chanel by the way yeah. I forgot to mention <laughs> I'm not sure how all of them would fit together as well but I guess that's kind of been the point of what he was doing especially early on in this year where you could you could sense freedom that you know maybe if he was writing these songs to go on blonde or what ended up being blonde or endless for that matter um that like there might have been a little bit of weight in the shoulders monkey on the back whatever now there's none of that and on this track especially you can hear he's having fun in a way that i don't think he has had uh, a lot yeah i mean definitely fun in the way it seems built around you know the percussive element of like a stapler just going off constantly and it totally works but it, this feels like you know prestige big pop artists of years gone by getting to a point where they had such massive popularity and sold so many records that they could do whatever they wanted so instead of just writing a hit they were like i'll actually try and make pop be high art really now frank ocean isn't at that level he hasn't had that amount of hits but you know through all his actual clever movements in terms of you know getting out his record deal and the freedom that has and you know selling his own stuff online he has that kind of autonomy now to deliver things like that and not have to worry about where you know the next hit is going to come from and you get that feeling of just kind of abandonment um, but you know with a real kind of I want to do great creative work that I can stand over from this song clever is the word isn't it I mean it's just so sharp uh, the lyrics are really really impressive and it's interesting because Frank is now playing with the idea of someone who's living his best life I suppose sure. you know he's got money and you know he's not shy of telling us but he captures those little human details those tiny heartbreaks yeah yeah, like nobody else right now. I feel like it's there's right. just like he, you know I've talked about world building. This man creates worlds that I, I, I want to be a part of, and 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 the, the, I think the majesty of it is that it's so fleeting. Like you know, you go back to endless, and I love how at the end of endless, you know, like like he walks by the camera, sure. doesn't look at it because you know we were with you for this moment and like he goes up the stairs by himself you know we're not are we allowed to go there there's just all these things that you can project onto him and I think as an you know he can be that avatar he can be that icon if he chooses to be that's the thing is he going you know because obviously guy cancels gigs around he doesn't play that often and no one really knows what he's doing what he's doing next yeah we don't have that many people in the world of music anymore like that and you kind of allow him the frustration 
of being a fan because of what you get at the end of it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. But you know what? I mean, but and I guess that's partly it. If he'd come out on Blonde and just been rapping about, like, you know, whether it's his Visa, his Amex, or his MasterCard, people would, would have kind of gone, ah, mate, you know, <laughs> you're kind of taking the piss now. We, we've been nice and patient, and you're giving us this. Whereas, obviously, he did Blonde. That's out there. And so now he can do a track like this. He can have fun. He can cut loose. Sure. and But it, it is coupled, as Dave said, with those really personal moments oh, and yeah. those kind of feelings and th- of loss awesome, and that romance. So and well it's just like such swoon-wordy kind oh, yeah. of Frank vocals Ocean, as well. Frank You're Ocean just like, having, ah. having fun and cutting loose is still probably going to make someone cry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there you go. He's, a, he's an emotional genius. All right. Speaking of uh, work of emotional genius, next. Four. song that Dave and I were lucky enough to see performed live just a couple of weeks ago in the Olympia Theatre, Wolf Alice and Don't Delete the Kisses, taken from their sophomore effort, Visions of a Life. I feel like in any other year this could be my number one. It was my number one for a couple of weeks, even for like the last kind of grouping of this, like I moved it down eventually. Uh, I did my top ten songs of the year for Nile or Nine. Thanks to mm-hmm. Nile for asking me. If you want to go and have a read of that, hit up his website. And I said about this, this is the kind of song designed for a late night walk home, probably a couple of drinks in you, with heartbreak on the brain. And the kind kind of heartbreak that like you know the kind of intoxication for somebody where you know it will never work out and yet you can't fucking help yourself you will keep going back and doing that repetition thing in the hope that it will actually go the other way and it won't you know what it's interesting because it no it won't Cullen David will it's fine (laughs) what I was going to say Cullen take the mic for Christ's sake personally being being in a happy relationship I take something oh my god it's Christmas (laughs) I take something very different from this same song I think it's full of that excited butterflies in the stomach feeling or whatever um I guess this is just testament to how well it's been crafted. And I think Ellie Rousel is just a powerhouse on this. Yeah. Just, she goes from that quite stream of consciousness verse to a bombastic chorus without missing a beat it's superb yeah it's the switch ups that I love uh, vocally Um, it is that half kind of whispered half just you know sang spoken thing that she's doing which weirdly reminded me of like Neil Tennant kind of Pet Shop Boys thing of just bringing you on this narrative journey over gorgeous backings but then she just leaps and you're into really soulful stuff and it's yeah it's it's majestic really do you have to take the dance train for that narrative journey you can take the dance train or you can actually get the Funk Lewis as well, which kind of cuts across the city and I'll get you there in half the time. Joy bus <laughs> service when it snows. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's how hard it must be to find something new in a love song. Well, I think she kind of does. Uh, yeah. And yet, it's so familiar at the same time. Uh, you mentioned the word powerhouse. Yeah, I mean, she's the secret weapon of the song, I suppose, even though she's front and centre. I do love the build and I love how traditional it is in as much as the flourishes on this one are, are so simple. It's very much a case of you can almost see in studio 
the various different uh, channels. Oh, yeah. And it's like, okay, now put that in, and they put that in for the last one, and then, like, let's just put that in for the last one. And it's just, like, just adding little bits, little bits, little key, like, like keyboard synth flourishes at the very end, like, when it kind of comes in, that kind of almost fairground uh, arpeggiator thing in the background, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. while she just climbs and climbs as it builds and builds and builds. It's a marathon of a song, and I adore it. Up next. Three. That is made from cartography of me All those feelings Every day the bus stop was the size of the entire world The ball I broke your tears And carving at me all the time Was I had done you wrong A band very close to Cole Morrigan's heart And probably Craig's too Yeah Broken Social Scene They came back this year with an album called Hug a Thunder This is the title track And lads, yous did swoon yeah, I mean, I think they came back right at the time when they were most needed, and they talked about that themselves in terms of, uh, I mean, just seeing the state of the world and feeling like, not even we need to comment on it, but we need to be together, be together in a room. This obviously huge collective of musicians doing their own things, but they just wanted to have that kind of musical connection and try and do something positive. And this was uh, seemed like a catalyst for a lot of the kind of record, the title track. Um, Leslie Feist kind of sketch of a song I guess um, mm. Kevin Drew just heard her playing you know in a control room while they were in between other working on other songs he was having a nap at the yeah, time, yeah he was kind of ha- oh, imagine waking up to hearing that and then just being like yep yeah, that's the title track that'll sorted do. Well, yeah this will totally do and it's um, it's dreamlike it's comforting it's we're back in that kind of strange velvety blanket and yeah it's wonderful yeah I mean when I first heard this song I really really liked it it was only kind of the following week that I realised oh you've listened to this like about a hundred times in the past (laughs) five days that I was like okay I might be getting obsessed here uh, yeah, it captured my imagination like, I guess the last Broken Social Scene song that I can remember doing that was Anthems for a 17-Year-Old Girl. Oh, and the yeah. fact that that's also a stripped-back effort with Leslie Feist on vocals might not be a coincidence in itself. It's, again, one of those songs where just like every tiny little flourish, every tiny little movement is exactly where it should be, which is... A testament to great songwriting at any stage, but when you're doing it with a 15-person collective or whatever, it just goes to show that sort of communal sense of how to make music and how to write songs that Broken Social Scene have that I really can't think of many other bands like them who can compare and it, it sounds very broken social scene in the okay. best possible way I mean all the elements that kind of immediately evoke previous songs are there they're sneaking in they're kind of you know uh, coming in and out of uh, and around that main melody and there, it's there's different acts to this song it, it kind of doesn't all stay together but it builds to something really really special I'm a sucker for an incredibly uh, big reverb drum sound yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and as that kind of chorus is starting to coalesce just that how oh, it sounds like it's recorded in a lift it's just wonderful and yeah. it's such a small little moment in a, in a song full of like hundreds of them like yeah. there's so much going on as you would expect from Broke Association I mean of course as you've said so many people you know it's, it, but thankfully this isn't a case of too many cooks it's 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 really rewarding and it must be so rewarding for them I suppose to kind of still still have it you know yeah. like I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of bands don't like that tag but I mean 
I don't think anybody would have ex- expected a, a triumph in a return like this, but this song is triumphant, and it does make you feel better, and it does make you feel a little bit better about the world and hopefully about your own personal situation. And it is that communal thing, that very inviting, welcoming thing. And I guess it can only come from people with life experience and also just with a, a natural skill. Uh, this song is incredibly skillful. And again, like you know, some of the aforementioned, a lot going on here, but never too much. And that's difficult to pull off. Yeah, and to think as well that, you know, it could have just ended up being a maybe discarded Feist song that didn't end up on an album and just like, it's one of those really happy accidents that are kind of dotted throughout musical history and just make you go, oh yeah, that makes it even better. And I think it's it's hard to imagine the album without that. It seems to, you know, everything orbits around it and that's kind of the central, it's the soul of the album, I think. It's true. Then again, if I can just throw in the glass half empty view that I saw somebody (laughs) espouse, which was... A minute ago, he was the happiest guy. (laughs) I know, but no, but Somebody suggested in the same way as like, you know, this could have been a discarded Feist album. Somebody was like, imagine if she just invited these guys in during the pleasure sessions. We could have got a whole album uh, of this. Yeah. Let's just take what we got. <laughs> and let's hand out our silver medal. Two. Good gracious, staring at my diamond while I'm hopping out of spaceships. Need your information, take vacation to Malaysia. You my baby, the paparazzi flashing crazy. She swallowed the bottle while I sit back and smoke gelato. Walking my mansion, 20,000 painting Picasso. Bitch, be dipping, dabbing with niggas like a nacho. Took up a pen and diamond dancing like Rick Ricardo. She having it with the color working on the bachelor. I know you got a pass, I got a pass that's in the back of us. Average, I'ma make a million on the average. I'm riding with no brain, bitch, I'm out of it. You slide on your nights like this. Yep. It's the song of the summer. Well, if you had told me <laughs> yeah, at the start song of the, year, of the summer, right? It is the song of the summer. Yeah. Fuck, come on. Like, nothing came close. I'm sorry, but it, like, it just is. Uh, yeah, how to tell me at the start of the year. Dave, you will be singing the praises of Calvin Harris by the end of the year. I'd be like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, mate? Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's earned a lifetime pass for Slide featuring Frank Ocean and Migos. Frank Ocean is here twice. You said we only, we only had one two-timer on the list. Yeah, Frank yeah, is yeah. technically here twice. Uh, we, we, we got him in. <laughs> <laughs> but to <laughs> be fair... Jesus Christ, where did this song come from? I mean, did like let's face it, this you could ask about half of Calvin Harris's career really. He is this like chameleon of a producer really that whether it's who he's working with or whatever is the, you know, taste of the day, he seems to be able to do it or he changes things so that he is able to do it. And yeah, he's he's just he's, he's nailed this to be honest. Yeah, that that kind of buoyant, insistent thing that Calvin Harris does so well and can almost be, I think, too much or generally for me is really too much. It actually works really well with Frank here because he just sits on top of it yeah, and so does lazy. his deadpan <laughs> but really inviting thing and it's just completely hypnotic and yeah, it's it's just kind of alchemy really. Well, it also, yeah, it completely subverts what you expect from what can only be described as kind of like try-hard party pop. But this is the thing, yeah. And so he's a perfect mix there. On the same level, though, like, Migos sound like they could be doing this stuff all day, (laughs) which is bizarre if you've ever listened to them in their regular guise, like, because normally, like, you know, obviously, like just about any other rappers, they often sound a little out of place when they do a guest verse in a pop song. The only time that they didn't was when... 
they tried to turn Katy Perry's Bon Appetit into a trap song, which was just a car crash for any number of reasons. Yeah, let's not revisit it. Yet here, they sound like, like they could be in jean shorts singing this song, you know what I mean? Like, bouncing around like Ant and Deck back I, in the day. I, I, I like, like, here's the lads bouncing in. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know? would say the recording sessions were a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, good gracious indeed. But uh, that offset verse is so much fun. Yeah. Um, despite, you know, having some questionable lyrical content, uh, that's how good the song is. You don't really think about it. Well, listen, when a song is summer, sound of summer, you know, it's kind yeah. of anything goes really. It is the sound of the summer. <laughs> and, been some uh, question ones over the years. How's it working for you at the end of December with your seasonal affective disorder music? No, nah, this is fine. This, this is grand, yeah. Wow. I'm okay. all over this. Well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know you had it in you, Kelvin. We were kind of then, I think, maybe raised our hopes too high for the rest of the album and stuff. He didn't quite become the new, you know, whatever we thought he was. It's got some it songs. Does, yeah. It does, yeah. He, he put in some good work, but I still think, when I think about this song and reflection, it will forever be a Frank Ocean song. It's a bit like when I think of Groove Jet. Uh, I just think Sophie Ellis Baxter. I don't think a Spiller or whatever your mom's look, I'm name not, is. I'm not turning into Calvin Harris' apologist mode. I know, it's, it's his song. you got to give the guy the credit. Like, you have to. It's just, it, it's, his it's song, written agree, down. It's yeah. in the stars, but to be fair, uh, not. I don't think this is too much of a spoiler for our albums this next week. I don't think Calvin Harris is going to make it. Uh, well, who knows? I haven't seen your guys' list We'll see. Yet, we don't know yet. Maybe, yeah. maybe he will. But it's time for the official no encore song of 2017. One. It's my boys, the horrors. Yeah, something to remember me by. Friends of the show, but um, Best no, band they, in yeah, that's not why they're here. <laughs> yeah, this is the one. This is the one for me. I I just get lost in this every single damn time. This is such a glorious piece of work. It, you know, you've used. You, I think you both used the phrase "dream pop" on this show already. Like, I mean, like fucking hell, this is a dream. And I, I, yeah, I know it's it's doing the Human League, Simple Minds thing that they've tapped into before with "Likes of Still Life." But good lord, is this an incredibly rewarding out to be? Well, New Order, the band that kind of jumped to mind for me listening to this track. I mean, it is epic, though. And I'm, you say dream pop, I'd go a step beyond, and certainly a number of steps in terms of music, and say it, 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 <laughs> all it, the way out the door <laughs> into the nether realm. <laughs> I, I meant sort of in, in in the intensity of the tune because there's something trance-like about this. Oh, oh yes. that yeah, breakdown yeah, in the fourth minute. You can see that in an Ibiza nightclub. I'd rather not. Yeah, you would. You wouldn't really want to. But that. But that. Thanks, though. Like going towards that build at like four and a half minutes in or something like that. It is immense, and it makes Incredible. that last. It makes that last kick in of Faris on the chorus when he just goes. No, it's yeah. so fucking titanic. It's colossal. It, well, yeah, I think actually because they became really good at those builds and those kind of you know shifting their kind of what they were doing within songs around you know primary colors. Very very sophisticated, but not always like I don't know visceral or connecting at an emotional level. And here they join those two things, and yeah. it becomes you know I, I think it's some of their best work easily ever. 
over. And, you know, we talked about Calvin Harris on the last one. Paul Epworth, producer here. Yeah. Uh, same year he gets, like, producer year for, like, Adele's 25. Yeah. He hasn't been doing amazing work in recent years, but he worked really well with these lads. And I think they do a lot of the stuff in the studio themselves. They just seem to have a mastery it over. Yeah, over when I spoke point. to them, when I spoke to Faris and to Josh in that infamously dodgy audio uh, record <laughs> that I regret still, but, you know, I'll get them again. Um, they were talking about how Paul Epworth was effectively just being like, stop throwing out ideas, see everything through, challenge yourselves to just keep writing, and like, this one almost didn't make the cut, apparently. Well, I was say, yeah, and even then, like, even when it, after it made the cut, then they wanted a radio editor. There is a radio edit, yeah. yeah like, but no, but I think they wanted the shorter version on the record. Or what? Like that. Yeah. I'm never a, f- never a fan of radio edits. I like the radio edit, I do. Uh, but this is one of the faster six minutes you'll ever hear. It reminds me of that amazing song by uh, Male Bonding, a song called Bones from uh, back in the Hot Press Office days. Oh, okay. A six minute kind of sound the summer jam which again just flies by i love how i keep finding new avenues with this and new pathways to to kind of walk and stroll down and something new to kind of pick down and find it has that light that i always look for in music that kind of you know that kind of crack uh, coming through that kind of glean uh, that glint that just kind of blinds you for a second then you got to refocus yourself there's just it's the kind of song to get lost in and it can be you know three in the morning haven't got home and you're fucking just in the darkness of your room or the first light of the day there's just so many kind of things you can you can kind of adapt with this and I just I love this band I, I think they found something really special in this song I think the album V is very good as well and I, yeah I'm fucking thrilled that it's our song of the year so there you go yeah yeah, no, like, I mean, Colin, when you mentioned New Order there, I hadn't thought of it before, but yes, it does remind me in kind of, you know, it's, it's essence of something like a temptation. Yeah. Where it's just, like, the word for me is like euphoria. And I think one of the charges level at them is that they're so talented that, well, they'll have to reach a point where they're kind of surpassing the kind of people whose influences they, were for, for a time, were kind of wearing on their sleeve. But they're doing such just phenomenal work. I don't think any of that matters. I mean, when you release a, an album like that or like a, a song like this, all of that goes out the window. And yeah, song in the air. Yep. And that does it for our songs of the year. We have one episode left to go, our albums of the year. Can you guess what will be in there? How exciting. Uh, if you liked our list or thought it was terrible, let us know at No Encore Show on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And guys, thank you very much. Thank you for having me, as uh, always. Two years in a row that we haven't come to blows. I, I'm, I'm sure it'll happen yeah, eventually. It's a bit too cordial, right? I'm thinking. That's pretty good, yeah. Mm. Maybe, maybe we got a good thing going here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to close out this week, of course, it's our song of the year. This is The Horrors and Something to Remember Me By. My name is Dave Hanready. This has been No Encore, Songs of the Year. There will be No Encore, Albums of the Year, next week. Here's the horrors.
You do the next link, Craig. What? Sorry, what? We were pointing at you. Do like, the next link. We oh, were pointing oh, sorry. at you to go and oh, you were well, like... okay, sorry. <laughs> looking down, smiling at your own good work. <laughs> <laughs> you were just like, nail that one, lads. Fucking hell. Come on. <laughs> okay. And that was a cut off Lord's melodrama, Homemade Dynamite. We don't have an intro. No, you, you just have to go like, and next. Oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake. Jesus. Oh, Jesus Christ. You, you, you're stressed, you're overworked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're there, we're good. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.